Uh, the people square, they don't really do that very much anymore. But um, race is a third. A th- oh, it's the third rail. Don't touch it. You're going <laughs> to be destroyed. <laughs> now they're going to sample that for their intro. That's fine. It's those two assholes. <clears throat> those two idiots you saw me talking to at the third rail. Just he doesn't want to touch the third rail. That's you've hit the third rail for sure. That, that is the third rail. Saying white people have interest. Third rail. The third rail here is uh, another wonderful show on our on the uh, TRS network. It's the third rail. You will be destroyed. It's the third rail. You will be destroyed. Watch out for the third rail, baby. That's how it goes. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Episode 226 of the most huggable uh, Waukesha protesting podcast on air since 1973, The Third Rail. I'm your host, Borzoi, and joining me is Eric Stryker and Nikkei. Hello, guys. What's Hello. up, niggas? <laughs> <laughs> well, are you in, a, in, in that kind of mood tonight, Eric? Yeah, I mean, one one thing, you know, I've never really been to to that part of, of the country, to Wisconsin, and I was shocked by how black Milwaukee is. Don't believe anyone that says that just because a place is cold that there's no blacks there. I mean, Bro, you know, I mean, there was like did you forget the riots last year. <laughs> we 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 we've known. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not only do we have blacks in in Detroit, we have them in Saginaw, which is even further north. What the hell is do you what, call them Saginaws? Why, why why are they there? I mean, I understand why they went there during the 30s. There was, you know, industry and so on. Why are they there now? Oh, well, do we have the book for you, the latest release from Antelope Hill Publishing. Oh. From uh, Mr. Scott Howard himself. Oh, wonderful. Yes, that guy, I'm going to bring him on to the People's Square at some point about that book. I have a review copy of it. Um, it looks very interesting. You know, people that, again... Conspiracy theorists, calling all conspiracy theorists. Uh, here is the conspiracy. Here's a conspiracy. It's you know, it's just like we were talking about with Mike uh, when we were traveling. I was talking to him about uh, how the how little the the conspiracy community has paid attention to the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, actually, I had that on my prep because it's starting tomorrow, and you're not hearing too much about it. You have a couple of pieces, like the news has requisite pieces on them, but it's not being blown up to any extent. Yeah, all the sources I have on it are just like, you know, Anon shit posters online. Some saying like, you know, oh, dial this number on code to listen to the trial. Others saying uh, judge orders total shutdown. I think the the latter one is a lie. Um, oh. But... Uh, yes, I, but, I literally don't know like what the real story is for what's going on there, and I, I'm almost certain that's intentional. Yeah, the the conspiracy theory community has a real. I, I saw them doing the whole the the girl with the robot eyes and the jury at the Rittenhouse trial, and the guy, the bailiff who, who uh, whose leg disappears, and thus it's CG. You know all that. Here's the real conspiracy: the judge in the Maxwell trial is an Israeli that goes to uh, uh, some sort of Upper East Side synagogue that almost all, like, like tons of Maxwell's co- alleged co-conspirators go to and she's acquainted with. And this is public record. 
So you want to see a conspiracy? Go to your local synagogue. There's conspiracies being planned there all the time. So, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But, yes, anyway, we can go to Waukesha. Um, yeah, so we decided last minute that we would go to picket the um, the courthouse there. By the way, that that also doubles as the county jail. So Daryl Brooks was inside that building we were in front of. He's actually uh, jailed there. Um, so the point we, we were getting at, obviously, was where are the hate crime charges? Where are the terrorism charges? And the um, so the police there, let me just start by, by talking about the police. They didn't even notice, they didn't notice us uh, planning to approach the courthouse until later. And they popped up. And they were, like, kind of looking inside our cars and shit, acting like we're the fucking terrorists, even though we were just engaging our First Amendment rights. And then uh, they they did not make contact with us. That's another thing to note. The police did not make contact with us until one of our members just broke the ice with the cops that were standing near us and uh, started talking to them. But um, ultimately, the whole thing went off without any problems. Tons and tons of local support. Um, every car that passed by was um, beeping their horn at us, or you know, because it's a it's a you know quiet German types. As, as I was saying before, quiet German types don't really honk their horn. They were just giving the thumbs up, you know. So That's almost great. universal support for us. Yes. Yeah, no detractors, right? Nobody came to uh, to counter you. Mm. There was one or two liberals. Liberal women. We we got a picture of her. We'll probably go up later. But um, there was one woman that quietly got out of her Prius, and I think it was a Prius, and stood across from us and took a picture of us. Didn't say a word to us. Mm. <clears throat> there there were definitely a couple of people that didn't like our message, but no one stopped their car to say anything, or other than maybe one person said "fuck you" and did the middle finger, but everyone else. Just quietly drove by, didn't say anything if they didn't approve of our message. And uh, the one person that did get out of their car did not make any contact with us. She just took our pictures and then uploaded them to the internet. But I mean, like, we don't care. Yeah, you proud? Um, you they were they, you guys published video of your well, the media to rise published video yeah. of the event themselves. So right, yeah. You you know, know, the what, point what of going you, to a public demonstration is for you to see me. Yeah, I don't you give know, a shit if you take a picture of me. Okay, and and why didn't you why didn't you say? I mean, we have arguments for you. You want to argue with us? We'll make arguments if you want to get out of your car. We're not violent. We're in front of a police state, uh, in front of a, a a jail, and there's tons of police cars around. We're not going to get violent, um, but we can make the arguments. And you know why they don't fucking say anything? Is because they know they're in the wrong. What do you have to say that you're pro terrorism? Right. They know that they're wrong. They know that they're wrong. Their problem is that they don't think we have a right to say what's correct and what's morally right. That's exactly the, it. You, they, that's their problem. That's all they can criticize is the fact that you have the right to speak up. Because right. they, 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 look, no matter what they think, they don't support what happened. Yeah. And, and no, these people like aren't like radical, like insane, you know, pro-death, uh, you know, terrorists. Yeah, maybe they hate, Holly they hate what Solar happened. supports it. But the word exactly optics right. is much abused, but in 
in this situation, like when we talk about optics, doing anything, saying if you're not supportive, then doing anything other than shutting your mouth is just going to get a bad look for you. There's nothing you can do in a situation like this. You have no moral position to speak right. from if you well, are not supportive of what's going the on. Only, the only person that attacked us in a real nasty way was the Republican senator for the state. Really? What happened with that? Ron Johnson. Mm. Ron Johnson called this interlopers and that we're trying to exploit tragedy for our own benefit and that we're cynical. And, and you'll notice that we didn't bring our party flags. Um, we didn't, uh, you know, the, the, we didn't march in the downtown area. We, we were very, very respectful. But it gets to a point where your pleas for civility and respect are just an excuse to make everyone shut up about this. I mean, if Ron Johnson is so worried about interlopers, why isn't he making the issue himself? If they think right. you're eating his lunch. Well, he's not saying shit. Well, here's the thing. Like, you know, interlopers, like, you want to talk about interlopers. Where was this guy when when all these um, um, bail project Jews were in his state um, getting criminals on the street? Like, where, why, why, why is... Why is he making Why is he statement not doing about anything that? about Holly Zoller? I mean, Holly Zoller has been how much how much damage and havoc has that one woman wreaked across the entire state of Wisconsin with her with her bail project? Incalculable dollar amounts yeah. of damage. And, and Ron Johnson is if if you follow him, he's very much of the let's go Brandon own the libs, you know, owning the libs school. And he went out there with the Democratic senator to condemn us. And he was too cowardly to even tell people who we were. He knows who we were. Because if he didn't know, he wouldn't have made that statement. He wouldn't have made that statement. So what? actually what caught me by surprise, Trick, was how quickly he made that statement. That is one of the fastest well, me, me and some guys I've ever, seen, ever seen for a statement from a senator. The, uh, the people were discussing this. Uh, my guess is that he was busy golfing somewhere. And, you know, it's a holiday weekend. And some kike from the AD, some Jew from the ADL, pardon me, um, called up his office, some donor, and said, hey, the ADL has a statement for you to sign off on that we're going to release in the media. You better do it. And he's like, all right, yeah, okay. And that's what happened. I don't think he put much thought into it because he gets nothing out of this. He gets nothing out of that statement other than making constituents in a, in a uh, purple state hate him. Okay, Wisconsin is a purple state. It goes 50-50 for Democrats. Guess what? If you really want to make an issue out of making people shut up about this, then guess what? You're going to lose votes in your next election. So what does he get out of this is the mystery. And the answer is nothing. It's because the Republican Party is what we say. The Republican Party exists to undermine white organizing. Nothing more, nothing less. Ron Johnson uh, probably had... Like his response time to your demonstration, way faster than uh, the Democrat he defeated, the Jew Russ Feingold, yeah. you know, noted progressive. Uh, you know, he probably wouldn't have said shit. He doesn't want to draw attention to it. Yeah. But you have this fucking goy puppet out here needs to please his paymasters, so he has to make a scene about it. Right, and and this goes back to our point that conservatives are Antifa too. They're also Antifa. And when I say conservatives, I'm not talking about the people that, that vote for them because they have no other choice. I'm talking about the Ron Johnsons of the world. They are Antifa. 
And, you know, the problem they have now is that all those guys in the pickup trucks that drove by honking their horns for us, giving us a thumbs up, including one guy that was a witness to the attack, came out of his car to support us. So um, these are his constituents, and so he sees a political existential problem with our mere existence and us the fact that we're gonna we're not gonna let this go okay there's actually more to come there's gonna be more activism on this front in in, in regards to w- w- Waukesha because we're not gonna let them cover this up and that's what one you know one of our guys who was you know the, the police officers that were there observing us uh, made contact with one of our guys and was you know Everyone was very polite. Everyone was very civil. And to be fair, the police officers, probably because they didn't have instructions of the contrary, respected our rights. Um, but someone um, talking to the police officer said, because, you know, Mike was on the meg- megaphone and he saw the cops across in the parking lot looking into our cars, trying to find something that they could get, you know, so, some kind of, you know, um, you know, maybe a gun or a weapon or something. Looking for your jogging hammer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> something that they could use to possibly start arresting people. That's what they. That's why they do that shit. Uh, and Mike was yelling at them through the megaphone, saying, "Shame on you! You people were kneeling for Black Lives Matter last year. You're you're partially. These people are partially responsible for the terrorist attack because when you legitimize the anti-white ideology by showing as an authority figure." that you support it, even if you were doing it just because you're obeying orders. The fact that the police were kneeling and showing support for Black Lives Matter last year absolutely played a role in inspiring this terrorist attack. And so some of the police officers saying, well, you know, oh, oh, you know, we just had a lot of cops. They had to pick up the dead bodies. They're traumatized. They're sad and da, 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 da. I understand that. The problem is that you don't have a right to support this ideology and then make me sit here and kiss your ass. Okay? You you just it's doesn't it doesn't work that way. You are partially responsible. And if you're so ashamed that someone on a megaphone bringing that up makes you feel bad and hurts your feelings, it's time to leak. It's time to leak some of the 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 the, the conspiracy going on in your police department to cover up what happened. There is absolutely a conspiracy led by the police chief to cover up the political motive, the racial motive in this attack. And every police officer that knows and stays silent about it is playing that game and is responsible as well. Do you so think there's you, uh, any sympathetic people in the department? I think most of those police officers agreed with our message, frankly. But if you should always message, moral confidence, I mean, there's always people that are sympathetic, but they never seem to have moral confidence. It's been a big problem, especially the last couple of years. I, I'm sure some of those white police officers that were kneeling in Waukesha with the Black Lives Matter rioters probably agree with us and agreed with us the whole time on this issue. But um, it doesn't matter because if you agree with us and you go and you kneel anyway, well, what good is that? Yeah, you're just, you know, submitting to the humiliation ritual. And it's more than that. It's more than, I, I don't care if a cop gets humiliated. That's their problem. What I care about 
is mainstreaming this ideology, making it seem like it's okay to support this anti-white ideology. That's my problem. That has social and collective ramifications, and that's what I'm concerned about. If that cop, the cop doing it is so humiliated by having to do it, then don't do it. Imagine if one of those cops on camera, when the police chief would say, okay, all you, all you, you cops kneel now, if one of them said, I'm not kneeling, that would be very powerful, okay? Because remember, right-wing white people in the United States, especially in small towns, can't even fathom that it's possible to say no. And that's what we need to show them. We need to show them visual examples of people saying no and refusing to go along with the system when it's doing immoral things. You have to show people that they can say no. And hopefully, after this rally, more and more people will be able to do it. You know? Because they have to see a visual example of it. Yeah, my expectations these days are about as low as Agartha is, but even I was a bit surprised by how much they others have ceded the ground to us on this. They have no choice. They've, they've, well, there's so many, you know, whatever you want to call them, alt Republicans, dinos, um, whatever conservatives, any, use whatever term you want. But the amount of people that have fled the battleground on this one and just left it to us, even I'm a bit surprised by just how much they don't want to even want to go near this now. Some of the more mainstream conservatives have been better on this than the alt, the kind of alt Republicans. Char- Charlie Kirk's been good on this. Charlie Kirk is better <laughs> on this than any great. Charlie Kirk and his new mulatto perm. (laughs) I saw the picture of him with the um, with Kyle Rittenhouse from this weekend, and he 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 has the full on mulatto perm. Charlie Kirk is is like no cap on God. This is anti white. (laughs) Well, conservatism for for about two years now has been very black oriented or very negrophiliac, like you know. The uh, when the riots were happening last year, you know, untold numbers of white people were being brutalized and their businesses destroyed, their their property destroyed. You know, conservatives care more about property than people, so you have to put it in those terms. And uh, you know, even if that's your metric, a lot of white people lost their small businesses in these in these riots. And yet, when it came down to talking about it. You know, the, the conservative movement was only interested in the black businesses, the black owned businesses. They're only interested in that one black man who was shot to death wrongfully. Right. Um, the black man that was shot to death. He was like a security guard defending a store from looters and he was killed. And that was very wrong. And, and they should have said something. But that's the only thing they talked about. They didn't talk about all the white people that were killed, all the white people that were assaulted, the man who. Um, the Donald Trump supporter who was grabbed from behind and had to use his gun on one of the rioters that was attacking him. And there's that guy that just like committed suicide, ran up to and uh, and just shot during the riots. They just yes. shot him in cold blood. And well, the the federal marshals got him, you know, uh, the next day. But still, I mean, Donald Trump didn't say anything about that guy. No, I, I was talking about, by the way, the guy, I believe it was in, was it in, in Nebraska or, or Kentucky or something, and he had a little, a small bar, and um, some anarchists and, and blacks were trying to destroy his business, and he was out there with his pistol, 
and they the mob grabbed him and they were beating him on the ground. He pulled out his pistol and he shot one of them that was choking him out. Shot the guy who was behind him. He shot him and he died. That guy had tr- cr- uh, murder charges leveled against him by the local prosecutor and d- didn't like his chances and he committed suicide. That guy just for defending himself, he committed suicide. And I bet half the people listening don't even know the story. This man was a diehard Republican Trump fan. And they were making it seem like he was uh, like it was like a racist crime because of that. And you, you know how many conservatives defended him? None. So what I mean, what that's what we- makes you feel all alone in that fight. That's why right. you feel like, you know, it is hopeless because you've got nobody supporting you. Nobody like challenging right. the narrative that you're evil that you're you're racist that you committed a hate crime if you've got no voice like that you feel like you're well you you know you correctly feel like you're voiceless you don't have a voice at that point you've been muted and nobody's right. sticking up for you and that leads you down to a path of despair right right and and i think the despair is caused largely by conservatism because people can't again people have to see something to believe it and because the only thing you see is Democrats, Black Lives Matter, and then Republicans, you just assume that there's nothing else out there, and you become despondent. Um, yeah, someone named, gave his name, Jake Gardner. Look up the Jake Gardner case. Very sad, very sad. And, you know, the despair is caused by, by the conservatives and the Republican Party. And so we have to create our own institutions that will... Uh, back people up in these situations with lawyers and advocates and activists, and we can totally do it. Okay, the elites know something that many people on the right don't know, which is that human will can affect outcomes. So if you apply human will to something, you can get an outcome. Not always, not even most of the time, but you can little by little. And, and let me tell you something, if, if the powers that be are so strong, that your regular human will isn't able to affect an outcome, then you just have to find inside of you to, to have even more human will to make up for that difference. Okay, And that's what we're trying to do with very little resources. We don't have many resources. It was a, it was a huge pain, pain for a lot of people to get out there, although a lot of the protesters there were just locals, actually. We have local supporters in that area that were uh, – that that were uh, asking us to come out and back them up, and we did. Yeah. So yeah. Have fucking Ron Johnson tell these people who've lived there and pay taxes in the state of Wisconsin that they're fucking interlopers. Give me a break. Right. Well, that, that's these the people that are like accusations actual, not even you know, true. Many of the people there were locals. They, they were could've, locals. They could have been there at that parade. You don't know. I mean, if yes. anybody could have, any one of us could have been there. You know, I go to Christmas parades. I like that kind of stuff. I, I could have been me. Yeah. Well, again, it's not even what they were saying isn't even true. Uh, many of the people that were there with us were local, and they had no one else that would come out to support them. And so we did. They saw that we were the ones that were willing to do it. Okay, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of the police. We're not afraid of the activists. We're not afraid of any of that. You know, if, if you're in the moral right, you have nothing to fear. And so we did it. And I'm very happy and very proud of everyone that went out to do it. And um, 
it's gonna it's gonna be a slow uh, moving kind of um, just like just like everything else when you're going up against the gatekeepers, it's gonna get in but slower. But you're gonna see in a week or two when the conserv- when the when the pressure mounts from the grassroots, the conservatives are going to be forced to take this story up. Now, have you uh, reached out to to speak with any like local uh, officials directly about the matter? We're actually going to we're working on that. There are people that are going to be. We remember we were there when everything was closed. So right, it was the weekend and a holiday weekend. Right, right. So everything was um, was closed there, but um, we, we're going to have people going around asking some fucking questions um, about this. So that's good. Stay, I think stay on, tuned for that. I think on the local level, this is where we, we are best suited to get answers. I mean, even if it's bad answers, uh, having these people say speak up for themselves and you know answer to uh, what our concerns are that's important. And I think we're we're most likely to get any response like that on this level. You know, people are asking about Rod Dreer. And and I have to say, Rod Dreher is actually better on this than a lot of alt conservatives are. Really? What, what has he said? He said very clearly that this was an anti-white attack. Wow! On his little blog, he said it. So Rod Dreher is in the right on this one. Growing wow! That has, that Hazoni, inje- yeah, that Hazoni injection he got. I guess it's got some residual effects going on. <laughs> right, right. I mean. The thing is, is that it's undeniable, and this, this is, again, I talked about this with, uh, with the guys at Media to Rise, and I'll say it again. I'll just re- reiterate this, that my, my media theory is that we can actually get around the conservative gatekeepers if we just beat them to the narrative. That's it. Just get the facts out as fast as possible, even if you have to go through the night, and get it out there in front of people. The reason a lot of people get really desperate and despondent because they say, well, no one cares. But here's the problem. How are people supposed to care if they don't know what's going on? If you show people, they will care. If you show people the facts in this case, I guarantee you that they will care. So that's our challenge. We need to develop nobody. Even if nobody cares, we can make you care. Right. That's another that's the role of activists. And, and, you know, right wing people tend to not like activism and activists in general, but that's how you have to do it. OK, you have to You know, we, we, we can make fun of the idea of raising consciousness. I know that was always like a meme, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. OK, raising consciousness is important, especially when you're right. Prosecutors are people. Those are human beings with decision-making well. power. <laughs> they are, yes, indeed, and they're also some of them are up for election. Um, so if you know, and by the way, everyone in that town seemed to be aware that this was an anti-white crime, or at least they have the suspicion on their own. So if you just show them the facts that their suspicion that their suspicions are correct, um, you will get a reaction out of them. Yeah, that goes back to the whole point about moral confidence and reassurance, like having that greater voice out there. People like having reassurance of their instincts. People have this, uh, you know, especially it's a very Western cultural thing to have this hesitancy towards one's instincts. Yeah. And people like to second guess themselves because, you know, it it's a more comfortable space when you don't have to 
to be open and outright saying one thing or another, if you just live in this space of uncertainty and skepticism. But when others raise their voice that confirms what your instincts say, they are that much more invigorated to come out and say, yes, I, I agree. This is, that's what I think, too. Right. That's the real motive behind why they censor us. Is yeah, that so they, they, get, they get rid of that catalyst that right. gets people to actually say what they really feel. Yeah, and get people to think. You know. I'm not from, and I'm not. I'm not from Wisconsin, but I can tell you a little bit from having grown up in midwestern suburbs and having talked to different people about our politics. Is that a lot of people they don't they may not be able to articulate it. They might not even be able to use any of the words that we use to describe it. But on the gut level, they know what's going on, and they don't know how to vocalize it, or they know they know there's no point in vocalizing it. There's plenty of people who share our politics on that level, but when you actually confront them about it and you're able to talk about it, a common reaction you get, and this is what I try to tell people when it talks about like when I talk about, you know, quote unquote red pilling the normies, is their response is often gonna be, so what? What are you gonna do? You don't have any power. You're not capable of doing this. And that's the you have to this that's the problem the activist fundamentally has is how do you break through that? And that's what you mean about the whole raising consciousness. It's all about Apply, giving them moral confidence and showing them that you can actually become a spear tip and have some impact in what's going on. It's a hard, I mean, right. this is the problem that nationals have been trying to figure out for, for decades, but I mean, we have to keep trying until something works. Well, part of the, um, of the problem is that many people, including, frankly, you know, a, a probably a small majority of white people, will just obey authority. They'll just see who the authorities are and do what they say. Like, that's that's just a human instinct in many people. And and so the, the challenge when it comes to red-pilling the normies, so to speak, is to be the authority. And so you have to, you have to think, okay, so we're locked out of most positions of authority just by being who we are. So how do we do that? Well, alternative ways you know, to build your credibility, such as being the only place where you can get the truth, right? If we build news outlets that consistently give you the truth, that is a form of authority and credibility. Yeah, it's a moral um, authority. Right. Um, so th there are many ways to work around the barriers that we uh, encounter <clears throat> in this. And so that needs to be our main driver right now is one getting the message to people first if people can't identify the problem they can't possibly react to it and so i i have great confidence that the truth can win out and it's just a matter of getting it to people the going again the problem isn't even the antifa problem isn't even the democrats not in, in, in respects to things like this. The problem is the phony right. And so getting around them, and it's actually not that hard to get around them. Getting around them, getting, getting around their filters is the basic uh, strategy that we need to develop. And I think we're doing a good job. There's a lot of new media outlets coming out. There's a lot of, um, a lot of people doing diverse styles of work from 
people with cameras and then, you know, that, that can do like video journalism. And then there's people with, who, who are good researchers and good at panning out the facts from the lies like me and the, the hyphen. And then there's guys like Trey that who are really good at kind of uh, shoe leather reporting. And, uh, and then of course you have the activists that go out there and make some noise with signs and stuff and so on and so on. And I think that we can build this, even if it's slow, we can build this into something that will um, be impervious to the kind of subversiveness of some of these phony right types like Crowder, Stephen Crowder, right? So I think it's it's totally doable. Yeah. You guys there? Yeah, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a little tired, but I can... <laughs> You're not I the can only ca- one. I can carry this show, too. <laughs> I've got I've got a teething baby, man. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I hear strikers be like, "Oh, awesome! I don't need to do any work whatsoever." Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I could I could talk about other things too. Like, yeah. So we we went there. Great response from the pop the local population, including people getting out and talking to us and being, you know, asking us for more information and so on, and, and being very interested. Uh, the, the cops respected our rights, even though, you know, there was one incident, but that's not a big deal. Um, yeah, the local media didn't turn out. We were there for hours, for hours. The local media knew we were there, and they didn't turn out. Hmm. They didn't turn you, out. I was want to ask, like, it, you know, I, I think I could guess what your stance would be, but how do you feel about, like, working with local media? Um. I, I think in a situation like that, having the local media there would have been very beneficial to us, which is why they didn't come. You know, I mean, they could have easily, you know, we, we have, with our activists, we're very disciplined, and we have designated people that talk to the media and have talks and so on. If they thought that they could get someone on camera saying something silly or someone on camera that they could edit into looking and saying something silly, they would have done it. But because they know that this is such a black and white, no pun intended, issue, and that we were spot on on our messaging, and that we actually looked like the people in the town, because a lot of the people there were from the area, um, that meant that they would rather just black us out. They don't want us on the local media there, because they know that people just sympathize with us. There's actually no argument there. The leftists and the liberals and so on, and, the, and even the Jews, know that if people saw us, they would agree with us. And we saw with that guy that does, like, the Instagram, he has, like, 600,000 views on our on our picket, and every almost everyone is very much on board with, with us doing this. Yeah. The, the the reaction has been has been very interesting across the board. The problem I'm having with this conversation is I want to ask what's what's in store, what's in the future, but we don't want to tip our hand here. Yeah. We don't want to. No. We don't want to. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult because you you know you want to build on this momentum and yes. you know with some of the ankle biters that are out there, it, Sven put out a challenge and I was like, look, if you don't like what these guys did, do it better. What, what are you doing? Like, do like do literally like we're not like trying like this is not a dick metric contest. Do better. Do better. Yeah. If someone out there could do what we're doing better, I will support them. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, I will drop everything like, and support which group. Them. Which group is you know, uh, you know, better than the other? It's about like winning. It's about having a message that wins. And, and like, 
being effective at uh, getting a message out there that you know activates yeah. people to you know becoming vocal about this. If you have the same goals that I do, and you can do it better, I will drop everything I'm doing and help you do it. Or if you think I'm a liability to you, I won't. Do, well, I'll, I'll I'll stay away and uh, let you do your thing. But if you know, if you're just gonna seethe and you know make comments about our my fashion sense or something, well then I'm just gonna assume that you're mad because we got this. We we're, we're on top of this issue and you're not, and that it's more popular than whatever stupid bullshit you're doing. Um, but I don't want to be. Um, uh, engaging personalities. I have no interest in that, especially on the internet. Like, I never understood the point of fighting an individual person on the internet. Right? What? 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 How? How? How can you come to a satisfactory conclusion? It's not like I could be like, okay, we, you and I, don't like each other. Let's go out into the parking lot and and settle this like men. You can't even do that on the internet. So there's no point in in bickering with people on the internet you just have to do your work okay you have to just focus on positive things and only engage positive people you know if you're if you're just gonna be caught up in every snag that some negative retard on the internet puts in front of you then you're never going to get your work done and push the envelope in the direction that you want it to so that's just my advice for everyone else out there that you know don't 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 engage naysayers and and negative Nancys. Yeah, it's it's really not worth it. It's actually just for me mentally taxing. Yeah, uh, it's right. because I you, when you like actually think about what you're doing when you engage in it, you you re- quickly like uh, immediately realize how worthless it is, and the fact you know investing like time and mental energy into something so worthless. It doesn't make you feel good. It makes you feel bad. It makes you rightfully feel like you've wasted your time. Right. right. What, I, what I will say is that, because I generally am very skeptical of a lot of uh, activism, and uh, where some of that stems from is I think guys have a tendency to do a lot of mixed messaging, and they even though they might mean well, you mm-hmm. when it comes to stuff like this, you need to be very focused and very tight in what you're, in what you're doing, and I think the, what I what I liked about this was that there wasn't any mixed messaging. The, the, when you were there, there was no confusion about why you guys were there, right. and that's something that needs to be built upon. Like that's like that's your foundation right there. And a lot of people just it, 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 this is new to a lot of people, or they just don't know how. I mean, there's no blueprint for this kind of stuff. But to me, that was the strongest aspect of this. There was no confusion about what what was going on up there. Yeah. We we listen, uh, uh, you know we we're, we're we're our media our theory of activism is to be sincere, but also to be you know rel- to, to talk about the relevant things, not not bring all of our other pet issues into it. But if you're there to protest for a specific goal, then focus on that goal. The goal there, the goal that that we had in mind when we were there was not just to stand in front of of some like site or something and take a picture and then have it all be theatrical. We wanted the population there to see us. And that's why we were there for a long time. We were there for hours. And um, 
a popu- the population did see us, and word is getting around the town, and everyone, whether vocally or silently, agrees with us. There is, like I said, on the Twitter feed that um, some some uh, news outlet put up a video of us, and of course they drove by really fast and filmed this. But there was one person who was saying, "Oh, what that person, the, the Daryl Brooks, did is wrong, but these people are wrong too," and that person. That person's message just got ripped apart. Like that, that person was just shamed off the internet. So again, whole keeping, taking and keeping the moral high ground is the most important thing on this. And you know, this this goes against many right wing um, kind of Nietzschean preconceptions of of what power and politics are like. But it's it's just that those are wrong. We do need to have moral superiority because that's what gives people moral confidence to speak out and join you and that is really important and people have to really stick to that and and understand this this principle you know and we 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 understand it yeah and i i definitely appreciate there was no theatrical behavior which i think tends to detract from the messaging that guys do no no We, we we have people that are you know psychologically stable and <laughs> you know as much as possible like so i'm gonna um, read some of these donations here because we don't okay. normally get donations for the third rail but obviously people came out for this and i think it's worth the reading especially because sure. people gave us money on this so 40 dollars from cobblestone prude can't stay up for this whole thing but i want to send my sincere thank you for your timely courageous and most importantly optical demonstration in waukesha brought tears to my eyes hail victory yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, whenever you talk about optics, it's really hard not to sound like a like a huge fag, but, <laughs> um, you know, because it, it seems like the the word itself sounds like something a fag came up with. <laughs> optics. It's not about optics. We're not putting on a show or trying to trick people. It's Listen, just this I already is have who, an optometrist I don't need anymore. Huh? I said I, I already have an optometrist I don't need anymore. Right, right. Like it, it's not it's not about fooling people or you know optics you want to know what optics are optics are ted cruz in 2016 campaigning in different outfits so whenever he'd go out to iowa he'd dress up like a uh, like a like a farmer and then when he'd go to meet with the military or whatever he'd dress up as something he thinks they would like to see like it's not it's not like where it's like you're not a thespian like, <laughs> you know, and you don't like have a, a a crew of of paid uh professionals to run like uh uh focus groups for you. But I I, I have to push back against focus groups in general. Well, uh, well, yeah, that, yeah. The whole idea is so you can manipulate people, and that's inherently dishonest. You know, fo- focus group stuff. Here's the problem with that: is that um, a lot of the times people will default to bourgeois sensibilities on that. And that, that's simply not how you build a populist movement. Um, you know, you, you have to, you, the, the, the key to any populist movement are the working class, the workmen, and they can see when you're trying to, you know, be fake when you're not who you are. And you're trying to ingratiate yourself to them. People have good instincts on that, so you're not fooling anyone um, when you do focus group nonsense. And you're also 
when you do focus group nonsense, you're you're also um, reacting to a political paradigm that you have no control over. So if you're taking up issues that are already in the mainstream, already in the paradigm, and you're just repeating those narratives, whether it's from Fox News or anywhere else, then you're not actually moving the needle in your direction. You're moving the Overton window in their direction. The needle is moving you. Right. So I don't like any of that stuff. And again, I don't like the idea that we have to default to the Republican Party's latest talking points on anything. They have shown. Nor should you. Nor should you. They have shown now that unambiguously they will not support their own people when they're being killed for their race. That, that town is overwhelmingly for Trump. And the Republican Party, whether Trump himself or Ron Johnson, have done nothing for the victims and their families in this incident. Not nothing. even a word of calling for justice. You know, you get Ron your, Johnson has the power as a senator. You get your basic, a, uh, you know, oh, we, we mourn for the families, but you get nothing beyond that. Ron Johnson, as a senator, has the power to drag Merrick Garland up in front of the Senate and ask him why Daryl Brooks is not being charged with hate crimes, federal hate crimes. Okay, He has the power to do it. Instead, what's he use his power for? To attack us for asking him to do it. So, yeah, someone wants to play some video, I think. Oh, no. Yeah, Frank's just saying. I'm back, by the way. Uh, okay. Baby was just stirring a bit, but yeah, yeah. he's Frank says he's got ten minutes of vid from the protest. If y'all need a piss break, um, I'll just quickly go for these donations though. Um, Twenty five dollars from Racism Man, great work, gentlemen. Bright future for the good guys. Hail Ranch. Yep. Uh, one Indeed. one one library coin from R Moore, who's having a how do I open PDF Jack moment? How do I donate my library credit? I and think he did it. Some more. <laughs> yeah, he you did it, man. Uh, hyper, hyper, hyper donates 25 library credits. Great work, Striker. Thank you. Uh, $10 from Lord Wolfshield. Hail NJP. Amazing work this week. Thank you. Uh, uh, one library from... Actually, I'm going to skip this and go just take care of this guy first. $1 from Lord Aragorn. Give him hell, guys. And then National Saxons donated a couple library coins. A conservative is the slave who loves his chains and hates other slaves for trying to revolt for fear of a punishment. Instead of hating the slave master who punishes him, much support to the NJP from England. I have tons of respect for what you men are doing. Hail victory. Also, oh, he says, you. Striker, I know you used to be a skinhead. I just wondered what boots you like, recommend. I'm planning on buying some Solivares as they're still made in England, whereas DMs are foreign made and shitty quality these days. Would donate a bunch more library credits, but it won't let me give more. Sorry. I, I wear Corcoran uh, jump boots. Um, or I think actually they're parade boots, um, and they're made in the USA. The the, uh, the U.S. military wears them. Yeah, I, I don't wear Doc Martens anymore because they're gay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I wear Corcorons. I think that's. What I don't know. My Doc Martens are too comfortable. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I I I don't like. I don't know. They 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 look different now. I I could have. I have an old pair of Doc Martens. That um, were, were I bought secondhand that were original ones, and uh, I used to have those, and uh, they they just looked different. 
from the, the new ones. I, I can't explain it, but they look different, you know. So I, I don't like them. They don't like us <laughs> either. So whatever. No, they probably don't. They really don't. So fuck them. Um, I just I wear mine like every day, but it's yeah, just because they're comfortable and like they serve my purposes for my daily needs. And someone else is saying the soldier shit. That's absolutely true. The the, the stitching comes apart on the newer Doc Martens, um, in in a way that the old ones didn't. So I think it's because they're made in a in a sweatshop in a third world country now. But yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> I, I love this username, Carbon Cringe Life Form. He gave us 10, uh, 10 <laughs> library coins. Good stream. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, any, any other questions? No, that, that's it for the uh, the donations there. Uh, to be honest, I didn't want to do like a super long episode, so I know Nikkei yeah. and I had some kind of... Was there anything else you wanted to cover, Striker? Um, no, I was just going to talk about, yeah, the, the, the experience. We weren't there very long. Um, in terms of generally, we, were the, we, we went right to the protests, no, no hanging out, no nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I was kind of astonished at how, how skeezy and, and black Milwaukee is like really shady people all around. Oh, I, man, saw, I, gotta you, I gotta bring you to Detroit sometime, man. Like you, I would really kind of bring you to, to, to Detroit. That you expect Detroit, but you know, there, there's a lot of like smaller cities like, Milwaukee that you don't hear about much but when you look it up you see tons and tons of local media talking about the latest shooting and the latest stabbing and all that shit like Detroit hogs all the attention because it's the worst one it's not even that bad compared to some of these other ones now you think so the rest of the country has caught up to Detroit and perhaps even surpassed it well here's the thing about Detroit and I've talked about this before because Detroit is an 85% black city it is a totally collapsed dysfunctional city because everybody's all all, everybody who can get out of the city has already left the the city is less than half the population was at in 1950 that is a totally depopulated completely collapsed city where you have a situation like milwaukee which is like 44 percent white 38 percent black where you still have this you still have enough of a population there that's straining under the weight but they're still trying to make the city function that's what turns it into a powder keg yes yes and i know that all the people in waukesha which is only 20 minutes from milwaukee are probably just refugees who used to live there in milwaukee and so they they know full well what the what the issues are with that Sometimes the people that are a little more far out from the cities are the ones that know the least about these racial problems. But the ones that are like in immediate suburbs, they or, or towns adjacent, they know what the score is. No amount of media to the contrary will ever change that. And uh, and I, I was also when we were going past Chicago. You know, I was talking about that city. Like, I've never been to Chicago, but it actually looks really impressive. It's kind of an underrated big city, right? It's like one of the four big cities in the U.S. Like, New York is one of them, L.A., Miami. That's the second city, yeah. And Chicago, right? But it doesn't get... Chicago's nickname is the second city, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get as much attention, though, as um, New York and Miami and L.A., though. 
It doesn't get you don't see many movies set there, right? Mm. Well, this is like well, this is like sh- like a Chirac type thing. Like I know I yeah. wasn't it, I think Spike Lee did a movie about it or something. Like, yeah, right. I believe it. <laughs> I, I found I found like a lot of the I, I didn't get a chance to go inside, but I, f- I found some of the architecture to be interesting and 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 attractive to look at, like lovely. A lot, and, a lot of that architecture, by the way, was part was built because of the Chicago fire. It was rebuilt. Yeah. Um, and I forget what the name of the style is, but it was basically built for the Columbian Exposition mm-hmm. in 1893. So it had it, it had was it neoclassical? I can't remember what the name of the style was, but they they really tried to make it look very different. They wanted it to be a very striking city when they rebuilt it after the fire. Yeah, and you know, uh, I I'll get called an urbanite for saying this, but you know, I I think that both urban and rural living both have their advantages and disadvantages. But I will say that rural rural life is not that distinct for Western or European people. They're, the rural life is actually quite similar wherever you go in the world, uh, with, with some small different, you know, cultural and local differences. But rural life in general is very similar. Now, urban, like like Chicago as an as an urban accomplishment, is unique to the white race. Okay, because. No other race can combine uh, that kind of artistic flair with the engineering ability to create it and put it into into practice. Okay, because you know other other countries in, in Asia and stuff they can build large impressive cities, but it's never with the same uh, taste for architecture and the, the the concern for beauty that cities like New York and Chicago were built with. And I think so. I think that you know, while we do have to, there are very, very serious problems with urban life. These are these are not natural problems. These are unnatural problems. I'd, I'd say that urban urban accomplishments, urban achievements like Chicago, are unique to people of European descent and should be respected. You know, just like you should respect rural stuff, you should also respect city stuff. Is my view on that. So. Well, I can tell you because I I had never visited New York City until this year, and I thankfully only spent time driving through it. I, I stopped very little in the actual city itself, but because I had never actually been in the city before, I, I was very everything about the architecture was just so striking to me. Beautiful I was, city. I was I was kind of in awe of yeah. it because I just I don't know it it. it, it it gives you this this feeling, and it, 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 I think I talked about it a little bit when I did a, a pause button on the Metropolitan, which is about wasp uh, wasp children in New York City, and you see this side, this part of the, this aspect of the city that doesn't exist anymore because it's been so ethnically cleansed. But you get like this weird, cozy nostalgia feeling, even if you have no connection to the city, because of just the triumph of that architecture. Yeah. Yeah, no, there there is something to be said about that. I mean, you know, elites historically have always had um, a, an apartment in the city and a house in the country, right? That's what the elites in Britain and the United States until not long ago used to have. That's because there's advantages to both. Um, and I think that getting down on urban living just because Jews made it impossible for whites to live in cities and raise families is is not the right response. It's not the problem. Isn't the 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 idea of an urban life or an urban group of people? It's the problem is 
the uh, the tenants in the city. Well, yeah, it's just like <laughs> current context. It's it's, it's an, all it's a modern context. You know, yeah. is what makes it shitty. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you if you visit a city like uh, Thessaloniki, mm-hmm. it, it's a very nice urban setting. You yeah. actually enjoy walking around the town there. You know, you might get, uh, you might if you like, you know, take the wrong turn, you encounter some like African who tries to like, you know, sell you a, a twine bracelet. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, you know, yeah. by and large, you will enjoy your time there, and it, it's by all accounts a, a real city. It is a city. Yeah, and why it's, I really want to visit Quebec City because it is the white. It is the I believe it is the only super majority white city above five hundred thousand people on the entire North American continent. Yes, and I, I, I actually really saw want to, um, some demographic projections where the French part of Canada will remain majority white, the longest of any other part of North America. I believe. It, I yeah. believe that definitely. I mean, I, I've been to I. I was unfortunately not able to go to Quebec City, but I was in Montreal, and it was majority white. But you know, it's it's got its own problems. It, it was Montreal is a very sleazy city, but it's very charming um, for what it is. So Montreal, I, uh, Montreal's got a church. I believe it's in Montreal. They have a church that has basically a uh, uh, a commemoration to uh, Benito Mussolini in there. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, when <laughs> you know. Part, part of the reason we're so powerless right now is we're all spread out. If we were all in one place, then it would be a lot easier to project power. And let's be honest, projecting power in a city is simply far more uh, consequential than projecting power in a small town. It's just, it's just how it is. Cities are where the power is. So, um, you know, I, I have to say I'm not... I get why people do it, but... Uh, for sure, especially if you have children and a family. I get why people move out to the suburbs of the small towns. Totally get it. But, you know, we need to think about things in terms of how to build power. That's how leftists do. Leftists put power above their personal lives, above their families. And that's why they seem to get better results on a lot of things than right-wingers do. You know, because yeah, when you're... Impo- yeah. I was going to say, it's an impossible situation they put us in because those are the power centers, but they make it unbearable for us to live in. If you're, if you're disempowered, the only thing you can have to defend your interests is to appeal to institutions that hate you. So people that live out in the countryside, they, they, the way they, they're taught to think of how to fight back against, say, rural, urban attacks on rural people is to just vote harder for Republicans. And the problem is Republicans don't like those people either. So this is kind of the, the situation we're in. But, you know, the NJP is going to be kind of a vanguard to change how people think about political power in general. You know, we, we have to challenge um, convention on how power in the United States works, because clearly the right wing perspective on this has not worked at all. So we have to challenge some of these conventional views on how how to build political power in this country. Um, and and we're, I think we're doing it. It's going to be tough, but we're going to be able to, to get a lot of success if we just keep on this uh, on this road, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, 
yes, you know, I, I was talking about something before, you know, we were talking about all the wacky kind of conspiracy theories coming out as of late about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial being uh, CG, a CGI projection. <laughs> you know? well, I've seen one that he's basically the grown-up version of one of the Sandy Hook kids. Oh, oh yes, he's Noah. Wow, what? Noah, yes, it's baby Noah grown up. Oh yeah, Noah, pa- was it Posner? I can't remember what the name of the, what the last name of the kid was, yeah. Yes, Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse. Actually, did you see those people that were trying to say, I'm a crisis actor? You? Wait, what? <laughs> what, what? What crisis? I mean, you get you, you you put me through a crisis a lot, but I don't know if you're an actor. <laughs> yeah, no, they were saying that, that guy looks like a crisis actor on uh, one of these. What does that even games. mean? Well, it means that any any white people that stand up and affirm their rights have to be crisis actors because the alternative is inconvenient. Crisis conservatives, its own phenotype now. Who knew? Yes, yes. I they they are saying, look, these guys are wearing black. They got sunglasses. They're crisis actors. That's his guy. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't say like, well, he, like, look at this guy. He's he was he, he was playing a greaser and something and forgot to change into his costume for this. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga just got off the set of West Side Story. But you can see how something. Yes, you can see how something like that can just just aid at- demoralization. All right, I got the show title, Waukesha Side Story. Waukesha. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like you, you can see how, like, for example, something like the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict plays into, like, the... the Yes, yeah, some guy, someone was saying, some guy said that because I wear aviators, that uh, I'm a fed. Yes, there you go. Oh, yes, there, there's that... Uh, who's that Who's that guy um, in New York City, the cab driver? <laughs> oh, yeah, that I'm one. the socialist. Yeah, that's fucking Frank, funny. Frank, restart this. I want to hear this. I have, I have yeah. no idea what oh, this is. Oh, you ever know, seen this before Nikkei? Yeah, yeah, play this. Just for, for Nikkei. Yeah, play it, yeah. The unlikely Nazi spoke outside his family's Bronx home after being suspended for wearing a swastika while driving a New York City cab. Not just once, <laughs> but multiple times. Photos sent to the Anti-Defamation League and to the Taxi and Limousine Commission sparked an investigation. 26-year-old Gabriel Diaz tells me he knew the symbol would offend some people, but denies being anti-Semitic. I don't hate Jews. I'm critical of them, but I don't hate them. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't make me a hater. Whoever said you have to be white to be a national socialist, you don't have to be white. It could, have, it, it could be anybody. You know, six million Jews are killed. Uh, I have no comment on that. Right. I am. I am. A, I'm a national socialist. What you guys call a Nazi. I am. I'm a, I'm a believer of it. The unlikely Nazis. Dude, this guy definitely listens to TROs. <laughs> <laughs> Zambo futurism right there. That's the dude with the anime avatar. Yeah. <laughs> Always good on uh, sticking up for yourself, Gabe. I know you're listening. <laughs> you, email me. We'll bring you on uh, third rail if you want. I think on principle he'd say no. Yeah, I, I respect that. But, I mean, it's come a on. respectful like, segregation. Look, look at look at some of the guests we've had over the years. Like we're not that particular. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I I think that by and large um, the. Um, the, 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 there's the the, uh, the fact that um, this issue hasn't been covered up yet. I, I I noticed though that they're they're picking up the COVID stuff now. Have you guys noticed that? It seems to ebb and flow a lot. I can never get a hang, handle on it. It's it, what, what's what's the new variant? The Omnic, Omnicron Omnicron. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a Decepticon like a, variant. 
It's yeah. It sounds like a Gundam character or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, it, it, every time, every time we start gaining momentum with our positions, the consequential relevant positions, they pull this shit out, and the liberals and conservatives both do it. The liberals come up with the new variant. The conservatives come out to react to it, and it just kills the news cycle from before. It just zaps it out of existence and moves it to something stupid. So um, it's kind of it's 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 disappointing, but they can't do it forever. So yeah, uh, <laughs> they could. I, I don't know, man. Like, don't hold your breath, dude. I know people dispute that, but every time they do it, they have fewer and fewer people invested in it. Bro, we got like I think the state of New York is under a state or no, the city of New York is under a state of emergency because of this uh, variant. Like they will fucking extend this shit as long as they really want to, and it looks like they still really do. Uh, and I'm getting sick of it. Damn it! Well, no. you know that's old news at this point. I have been sick of it, and we all have. But it, it, it I'm starting to become more convinced that they're like not actually looking for an off-ramp that they are just going to keep doing this shit. I, I, I have to, I have to disagree to some degree on that because, um, stuff like the Rittenhouse trial and signs V Kessler and so on, you'll notice that liberals were not as in, in, involved in that. They weren't as emotionally, um, invested white liberals in particular in those cases. And I think part of the reason for that is that they're more emotionally invested right now in like owning the the, the conservatives with mask stuff and like they're fighting yeah, the them. Yeah, the vaxxards. Yeah, they're fighting them on uh, in in the D.C. schools. Like all the all the liberals are saying, "You're taking the masks away from the children; they're going to die." And they they they're more invested in that kind of tribal politics than they that than they are in these more abstract. Um, agendas about stamping out hate speech and stuff like that and white nationalism. And so I think a lot of Jews are upset about that because they, they, they don't really, they're not, believe it or not, and this is going to get me some, some blowback, which is fine, I don't care, but they're not really that invested in the COVID stuff as they used to be. Well, well I understand to- what you're saying there. It's the, cons- the, I think the issue is that you have enough like, of this petty bureaucrat class who have this petty power they're invested in so while they might not have widespread system support on it there's enough of it for them to basically harass normal people which is what they want to do totally the the hardcore covid people are the low-level white bureaucrats like the low-level liberal whites on the college campus that want to like, they see a guy not wearing a mask and they want to make a big stink about it. Like so, some guy was telling me that on his college campus, um, they had a vaccine mandate and he was able to fight it and win. He just said, Oh, my religion doesn't allow it. And they just said, okay, you don't have to get the vaccine. But he, he told me that there's this, um, there, there's like some low level libtard administrator. That's like making a big, huge deal about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and every time he sees him on the campus without his mask or whatever, he gets really mad, right? But that, those are the people that are involved in this. The, the actual power, powerful are not nearly as as involved in this and, as, as you well, might think. 
I'm yeah, not. I know, but I think, what, I think what they're trying to do is like it, it, it'll kind of fade into the background because you have a bio, which you'll have as a as a little, you know, like a biometric security state, and you'll have they're combing for basically commissars. They're looking for people who will be ideologically and virulent about it, so they know who to basically cultivate to cause to just wreak havoc on us. This is what it comes down to. That, that, it's, there's it's some a truth weird to that. thing they're doing with it, but they're doing there, something. There's some, there's some truth to that, but I think that they they've already gotten that with with various ideological tests. You can't work out of college if you don't use the right pronouns for transsexuals. You can't work out of college unless you support Black Lives Matter. You can't really get a job in any kind of bureaucracy unless you're a virulent liberal on a lot of these issues. So they, they've kind of already achieved that. This is just like, a, in my opinion, just some um, tribalism that is kind of like MSNBC versus Fox News tribalism. But, um, you know, M- Mike has an interesting theory. He says that a lot of a lot of anti-vax conservative figures um, are vaccinated themselves. I mean, what do you guys think of that? <laughs> I mean, I've heard I've heard that, but I, I, I tend. Yeah, to, it's like um, I don't want to speculate on that because I feel like that's like a bait of some kind. Well, you have people like Ron DeSantis who is vaccinated and he promotes the vax, but he also plays both sides with the, oh, well, we still respect your freedom of choice. Yes. Well, clearly you don't really have too much respect for them. You might, uh, you know, not get in their way, but you clearly see their uh, perspective on it as wrong because you've took the fucking vax. Because mm. I, I saw something where there was like a, a few days ago, there was like a Fox News award show. And um, oh yeah, all, like, the tuck, like the Freedom Awards, and I, I saw something that tuck like that. There. Yeah, and in order to attend, you have to be vaccinated. So sim- simply, I hear they, uh, they call that trophy the faggies. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like, you have to logically deduce that Tucker is vaccinated if he's there, right? I mean, that's just okay. Like, well, unless they just just you know they report that he is and he isn't i don't know it's just i don't try like i don't believe anything within the system so like just, yeah it's well, so you can't really have an opinion people, on like, these like things because you just can't really know well i mean you can have an opinion but like you can't really be certain at the end it's of the hard day. it's hard not to be a nut job because of like i mean look at stuff like the the the, the waukesha cover-up everyone saw it tons of cameras caught it Everyone on the internet saw the attack. Everyone saw the the person who did the attacks' social media history. Everyone knows what it is, and yet they're still trying to cover it up on the historical record. So something like that, you have to take a step back and say, well, what else in history is just completely fraudulent? Everything we take as as an assumption, historical assumption, is just a complete politically motivated fraud. You know, you, 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 you have to... Consider that if they can do it now with all of the technology, the internet, cell phone cameras, all that. If they can do that shit now, why why wouldn't they have done it a hundred years ago, fifty years ago? You ever you ever see those videos uh, when people are you know you know basically trying to dunk on China of 
their architecture, their bridges, it looks like they're made out of styrofoam and corn. You ever see like that's how I feel about our system in terms of the truth truthfulness from top to bottom. Like I don't know what like to what extent when certain things are reported about within the institutions, how much of that is actually true. Like how much of it is people just reporting whatever numbers, whatever things they want to report because they don't want to deal with the hassle of having to have this one hundred percent compliant you know, completely working system because that's just too much work and that's just too much hassle. So this whole thing, like, as far as I'm concerned, there's a aspects within the system that's basically functioning on paperclips and chewing gum. That's how it's being put together. Yeah, and and I noticed in the last four years, and this is something that um, Daniel Zeblatt in his book, uh, How Democracies Die, warns against, is that in the last four years, the, the media has really discredited itself and is increasingly more and more detached from the reality on the ground. Um, and that is a big problem, especially if your system is, is falling apart at the seams, which, which America is. America is falling apart. Like I, I had this discussion with someone uh, during the car ride to Waukesha where I was saying that the American empire has maybe 10 years, 10, 15 years. And what I mean by the American empire is that the ability to project power in Eastern Europe and Asia, you're seeing now they're talking about the, the Russians preparing to go into Ukraine, right, militarily. What exactly can America do in response to that, especially as they're moving resources and troops to Asia to try and discourage the Chinese from going into Taiwan? I think that it's very possible that in the next 10 years, Russia will go into Ukraine, China will go into Taiwan, and America won't be able to do anything about it. Yep, won't do shit. Well, I, I think they're more li liable to do something in, uh, in Taiwan just because of, you know, they have more uh, official obligations to the, you know, the sovereignty in, of Taiwan uh, they that they do? don't have to Ukraine. What are they going to do in Taiwan? Are they going to fight? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> they they're going to lose. They're going to lose. They might it's, do it's, it, but they, you're right. They will lose, but doesn't mean they won't do it. Well, I can tell you, though. You the can't even say the nuclear deterrence is a factor because the Chinese now have the hypersonic nuclear weapons that uh, that the uh, Pentagon's response to was to say it was Martians that were launching that those things, those drones and stuff. The you Chinese have we, technology they didn't think could could possibly exist. So the nuclear deterrent isn't even something that the Chinese are afraid of anymore with America. So, you, go ahead. you may be right, Nikkei, that they'll do something, but I guarantee it's going to look like Afghanistan. It'll be the most half uh, There'll be so much bloviation. It'll be the most most ridiculous, half-assed way they're going to try and resolve the problem. It's just like oh, that's I, how America tries to solve things. I don't doubt that in the slightest, but that's still a response, and it's still going to mean, you know, American people die uh, because right, they've so made the mistake of signing up for, for Zog's army. I um, don't see it. I don't see any military. I see a lot of movement of ships and stuff to the Pacific. I mean, not the Pacific, the, the, the South China Sea. I see some of that happening, and I see them making a lot of noise and, and, and making threats and then nothing. And There's the going to be people on those ships when it goes hot and those ships sink. Maybe, maybe, but I don't see it. I think that in the, in the near future, America will be pushed back to its home territory by China and Russia and other emerging powers and that there's nothing America can do about it. And that's going to cause 
instability inside of America because, you know, the reason why the United States can have, uh, what is it, $20 trillion debt, $10 trillion debt, the reason they can keep uh, the, the, they can keep raising the debt ceiling is because the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency and they can just threaten people that, that don't want to use it. Um, but what happens when you can no longer do that? I mean, America is actually in a unique situation that's even worse than the late stage Soviet Union because we don't have any industry here. So without economic and military power... <laughs> And without factories and manufacturing, what is America going to do when these countries have enough and they push America back to uh, to to the homeland? Get plundered is what's going to happen. Because <laughs> yeah, we you're have... going to hold this fucking L. Yeah, <laughs> we're going we're going to get we're going to be absolutely plundered. You'll have PMCs, private military companies that are basically in in completely collapsed because you'll have a rump state in the United States, but there's going to be parts of the United States where the the there's going to be a tenuous hold. Like a lot of this is going to be in the in the west and southwest. And you're going to have PMCs that are basically going to, on behalf of company of either actual giant corporations or shell companies for foreign powers that are going to, like for example, take control of our water or forestry, and they're going to guard that from normal Americans. Yeah, um, I think also that there's a prob- probable uh, scenario where America breaks up into a bunch of countries like the Soviet Union did. Most likely, um, you know, it might not be purely racial in, in its breakup, but it could be something like the middle of the country becomes its own state, and California becomes its own country, and so on. I, I can totally see that. I mean, there's nothing really organic uniting the United States. It's just people afraid of the shot. I mean, I, I've noticed actually, you know, the average. The average middle-aged person in America will not be radicalized by by the sight of an automobile running over little children for racial reasons. They're they're not really going to be radicalized by that, but they will be by uh, going to Little Caesars and the hot and ready is neither hot nor ready. As you saw <laughs> with uh, the five dollar, they, they will be radicalized by Dollar oh, Tree. Amer- America, America's three missed hot and ready is away from revolution. <laughs> I was actually joking with my little brother uh, the other day. Somebody apparently like uh, l- like brought in a AK into a Little Caesars uh, because they had to wait ten minutes for the uh, for for a pizza to come out. And they were like getting ready to like shoot the people there, but another customer like handed over their pizza and they paid for that and left. Uh, yeah, like that's, that's what I was referring like to. this pizza, this AK is hot and ready. Right. Imagine if, if he went in there and he didn't have to wait 10 minutes. It just wasn't there. There was no hot and ready. Uh, he would have probably shot everyone in there. Um, so that and, and, and also I think uh, the, one of the, the main dollar store chains raised its prices to 125 So now it's the 125 store. To effect in April. Yes. So that, that's going to radicalize the average lemming more than, than anything Political or, or racial, I think. Um, that's that's straight out of Pierce, and he was right. Because I, I think that what, what what holds together a a failed liberal state is always going to be the supposed, or at least the perception of unlimited access to consumer goods. Mm-hmm. 
once that's no longer on the table, once the shelves are more and more empty, once it, I mean, that's kind of also what happened in the USSR is that people stopped pretending to believe in the system after the, the, the very prosperous Brezhnev years go into the 1980s and every, and suddenly shelves start becoming more empty and people have to line up and stuff. And that actually made people consider alternative systems because of it. So I think that something similar is bound to happen in the United States. And um, I think that, um, that that's going to be something to, to potentially make hay out of when it does. Like, I, I think it's completely plausible that NJP can take power in the Rust Belt. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, I think it's completely plausible that when the country starts breaking up, that we can challenge political power locally and, and just take over and create a new country uh, in this region. Like that, that is yep. completely possible. If, if the, if the, the Jews aren't power. ready for when little Caesarism comes to town, <laughs> <laughs> the little, little Caesars will, will rise. Yes. And, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, again, I think it was Karl Popper who said that, he he is he's the actual father of European welfare democracy, and and his his logic it's not that he didn't believe in markets he was very much a free market liberal advocate, and not a communist he was an anti communist actually, but he said that you need to have social democracy because people need to have a buy in for uh, this kind of globalism this kind of you know if people are are denied their heritage they're denied their sovereignty and national well-being uh, on a cultural level you have to pay them to tolerate it and when the system can no longer do that and it can't because I I, I, I I fluctuate between saying America is 10 years from collapse or we're on the cusp of another Reagan era of nihilism and individual wealth uh, creation and Lots of money going all around. Everyone's doing blow. Everyone's driving a fancy car. Um, I fluctuate between that and the alternative, which is the polar opposite, which is that the system just fucking just implodes. I think that the 80s are not something that can be recreated because of the, um, the fact that the country is simply not white enough to create that kind of prosperity. So well, you can also only you can only do that once because you have to when you're basically financializing the economy, you have to start from something. You can't just finance like you you can financialize out of nothing, yes, but it's going to have diminishing returns each time you do that. You basically get one shot at doing that. Yeah, someone brought up the metaverse. Oh, Larry Ridgway, that doesn't sound like a hellscape if it were white. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, someone says um, the metaverse is probably going to be their answer to these problems. That as the world becomes more intolerable uh, in the real world, they'll create more escapes for you. So all, all the white people will be living in a virtual reality cracker barrel. So yeah, talk about the fucking opioid for, of the masses. This metaverse yeah. uh, is going to, I mean, if, if it actually does succeed in its mission, to whatever extent that that happens, yeah, uh, it'll be very hard to pull people out of that. Yeah, I mean, well, 
what they're trying to get ahead of is basically you ha- having whites or even it doesn't even have to necessarily be whites it's just whoever's here but it's going to like the the bulk problem for them will be whites are those who throw in with basically cartel culture uh, it's it, it's the bo- it's the romans had the same problem it's the bogaday problem where you had these peasants who were living in gaul which was the frontier for the roman empire essentially and the, bureau- the bureaucracy and the inability to manage the empire made life so intolerable that a lot of the Roman peasants, instead of wanting to deal with the empire, just threw in with the barbarians and became these half, basically these half guerrilla fighters, half brigands. And you're going to have, unless they can get people locked into the metaverse, you're going to have people who, especially young men, they want to they want to be able to prove themselves. And if there's a if there's an actual kind of like criminal adventure that they can embark upon, they're going to take that. Young men are going to do that. If it means to be being able to, you know, shoot at this bloated, distended empire, that's what young men are going to do. Unless they can just get their rocks off in the virtual reality. Exactly. That's, and that's what they're trying games. to head off. Yeah. Video games are the number one barrier to young men politically organizing. That's just a fact. You know, you can think... You can love video games if you do, but that is actually the one barrier, the major barrier for the revolutionary class, which is young men, 17, 16 to 40, not becoming politically active. In fact, you see a lot of people after Charlottesville that became demoralized. What did they do? They became video game streamers. You know? Trad calf video game streamers. Right. <laughs> so that that is yep. a powerful powerful tool of control because if if uh you know if you can get if you can get the girl and you can build a fiefdom in a video game your your will to power is numbed in the real world you can tolerate the real world i said this recently on post and telegram and i stand by this that for, and this is going to be maybe apply more to our, you know our children and their generation. Like, but you're going to be forced to choose a side, and that's going to be the barbarians or the or the uh, what's what are they called the Morlocks? Yeah, the barbarians or the Morlocks, and you you need to choose wisely. Right. Yeah. You have to even use video game terms to recruit. <laughs> uh, that's that's the time machine, Morlocks. Yes, of course. Yes, they they're the ones that come out at night and eat the the Swedes or whatever. What do they call yeah, them? Yeah, basically. Eloy. I forget, I forget what the other one. Yeah, the oh, Eloy. Yeah, the Eloy. <laughs> it's like these crazy blacks that fucking come out and 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 victimize the 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 sweet like Swedish kind of naive Eloy. Yes. Yeah, so you can be a barbarian, you can be a Morlock, or you can be an Eloy. Pick, choose wisely. Right. It's a oh, they got a clip for American foreign policy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The um, but um, you know, ultimately, the um. The thing that really caught, catches my attention about our movement, though, is is that artists significantly outnumber lawyers in it. Because <laughs> I, we need some lawyers too, but um, it's amazing how creative people are the most attracted to these politics. That that's not true for conservatives. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's, it's the same thing you saw with the, with the futurists and Italian fascism. And, yeah. uh, he had, like, and the National Socialists had artistic types, too. I mean, Hitler was an artist. The conservatives have, like, one guy, and it's the, um, well, you know, you could you could give him Ben Garrison, but I, I won't, I, I won't, I'll, I'll Don't even ben give Garrison. him that one. No, I refuse. Frankly, the only, the only reason They had that, ben... like, one, do you remember that one guy in, like, 2015 who was, uh, making these posters of, like, Ted Cruz in Los Angeles and putting them at bus stops, like... Oh, God. Giving oh, him, like, the, the tattoo shit, like, oh, that's the yeah, best that's they got. That's what passes for an artist on their that's side. That's the best they got. I don't know. What do you? Uh, don't be talking shit about Ben Garrison. His cum comics are just progressive and very. Ah, like that's the definition no. of futurism, there, Nikkei. I hate those so much. Ben Garrison <laughs> cum edits. It's not funny. <laughs> let's be so old. It's let's the be same objective thing here. Every time. But ben Garrison is only famous because Nazi trolls were uh, uh, they're adapting his his cartoons to be relevant. Oh, yeah, no, dude, nobody would have heard of Ben Garrison if people on poll weren't, like, putting Junoses on his yeah. comics. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that guy is that's taking Ben Garrison cartoons and making them all conservative and libertarian is is doing a real disservice, too. Yeah, 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 stop making him, like, pro-Trump. Like, stop making him cuck to, like, you know, Glenn Youngkin. Well, let me see the one where, yeah... Oh, you want to you want to talk about that quickly before we head out? Uh, what's going on with Glenn Youngkin? Because you brought that up, Nikkei, and I'm sure this is in yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. It's he's not even in fucking office yet, and uh, we get headlines like this: uh, Youngkin tests activist patience as he pushes abortion and guns aside. And this was uh, Laura Vizella, Washington Post. Uh, Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin says he would entertain certain anti-abortion legislation next year. But it is not part of his day one agenda. Gun rights appear to be on the back burner, too. The Republican who launched his bid for Virginia's highest office, promising to, quote, protect life before birth and after birth, and to roll back a slew of gun control laws, is focused on other matters as he prepares to assume the governorship on January 15th. I'm assuming those other matters are anti-Semitism. I can only assume. I mean, I, I used to be, like... Uh, more clear on the details uh, earlier this month, but wasn't that literally part of his announced day one agenda, or was that separate uh, from his well, day one? So agenda? I mean, there, that he was talking about that during the campaign and when he got elected, because you had a bunch of people who were not paying attention, and it was once the the race got tight, uh, and they wanted to own Terry McAuliffe, that it, people were passing the headline around as though like he said this right after. Winning, no, like he had said that months before right, that no, anti-Semitism that was, was going to be a focus of that. Yeah, but was it part of his day one agenda specifically? Well, I'm sure it was, but I don't hold me to that. Well, I yeah, mean, one thing Young can never hid is the fact that he's a Mitt Romney Republican. Yeah, I mean that was that that was the whole before things really heated up with the whole CRT stuff. That was what the focus of of the campaign was, was basically trying to tie him to Trump and him trying to kind of have it both ways. Cause he has to appeal yeah. to multiple constituents in Virginia. Uh, here's the, uh, the choice quote on what the act they're actually saying, uh, quote, as Glenn said, he's getting to work, uh, laying the foundation. So the Yunkin administration can hit the ground r running, implementing the day one game plan <laughs> to restore excellence in education, make our communities safer, 
lower the cost of living, make government work for the people, and reinvigorate job growth. You know, it sounds exactly like what uh, Patrick Bateman's speech of what you know needs to be done when, they're at the, when he's at the restaurant. Yeah, you know, we need to focus. Uh, what well, it was- no- notice that Republicans never tell you an exact policy that they're going to put forward. They just tell you these kind of slogans. That's what they are. These are empty slogans with no substance behind them. What, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to make education excellent again? What are you going to do? Are you going to bring back? Uh, are you going to you know bring back standards in the education system? Good luck with that. He has to end apartheid for one. Yeah. Slow down the nuclear arms race. Stop well, well, terrorism and world hunger. Yeah, we have to well, provide well, food and shelter for the homeless and oppose racial discrimination. Promote civil rights while well, promising this, this equal is, rights for women. This we is have back to encourage traditional ne- moral is, values. This is back to the Republican Party's negrophilia, which is that if you ask them specifically what excellence in education means, he's like, well, we want to give vouchers to black students to go and have school choice. Because, um, you know, the charter school thing is purely a black thing, right, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... The, the, the charter schools get to do better than public schools in some cases because they can actually distinguish between the problematic, the more problematic black students and the ones that are better behaved. So the charter schools can pick and choose from the, the, the more calm black students and they get better results. And from that, Republicans deduce that that's because private or whatever. Charter schools aren't private always, right? They're private public sort of. Right. I don't know that where they actually fall under, but uh, I. They, yeah. You do end up with taxpayer dollars. Uh, yes. Going to enable them. Right. So, um, yeah. So that 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 doesn't really solve the problem of of you know black underachievement, but they act like it will. And yeah. I know that vouchers, school vouchers, also allow. Um, black students to go into your private school, like your Catholic school. So what's going to happen is that all these white people that take up a second job, so that they can pull their their children out of public out of public zoos, um, will just be back to square one when all these blacks with vouchers show up and they integrate their their Catholic school. So this is like. Again, it's conservative negrophilia. It's not. Uh, it's not good for their voters. You know. Yeah. I think that. I, um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, nothing. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and also when it comes to guns and abortion, like I, I, I think that gun rights are good, you know, and so on. But <clears throat> those are not new new issues for the GOP. That's what. That's what you know. Every Republican, from Mitt Romney to whatever else, tells you they're going to do they're going to protect your gun rights and curtail abortion. That's that's some that's been the Republican Party's platform since the seventies. So, how you know I'm not too uh, impressed by that either. Glenn well, Youngkin won because of the racial problems in his state. Suburban voters voted for Youngkin because I mean, they don't want. Yeah, anti-white propaganda in the school. From the perspective of like what a Republican voter wants and expects to to shit on their like hopes for getting delivery, like 
policy deliveries on abortion and gun rights uh, this early. He's not even in yet, and he's already saying, "All right, you know, I'm going to do the the old like the common Republican thing of not delivering on abortion and gun rights." Uh, you know, I don't even have to wait till I'm sworn in. I'll tell you, I'm not fucking doing it now. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 been the it, that was the original like conservative grift talking big game. Uh, during primaries in the general about these issues and never delivering so they can run on them again. It's their uh. nest egg and they won't give it up because they know if, that you've already delivered uh, these victories on policy, then they can't, you know, uh, run on them again. Well, which is wrong. People will reward yeah. you for winning. Yeah. But Republicans have a stake. Them giving, giving them nothing. Republicans have a stake in not doing anything long-lasting on abortion because if they do, then they have nothing else to run on. Exactly, yeah. They're not allowed or, or simply unwilling to run on anything, on any other issue. So this is something that Jews have decided it's okay for them to be, uh, to take up the abortion issue uh, in, in the public discourse. And so that this is something they can they simply for existential reasons can't do anything about. They have to keep that up as a sort of carrot on a stick for you, for Christians to vote for them. The problem is though is that the electorate is changing, not just racially, but the electorate for the Republican Party is less religious than it was a decade ago. So that strategy doesn't seem to be uh really going to going to be helping them as we move forward so i don't know what what, what they're going to do about it but you know have you guys been able to see that china i know borzo you're you're a china boo have you well, been able- really, i wouldn't say a china boo. i know i, I, mean, I, 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 give what, I get what you mean go ahead <laughs> yeah the, the you, proper you, term is china min china min <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you seen anything about the battle at Lake Changjin? Oh, is that the, is that that is that that film that was really popular and successful yeah. over there? It was based about China kicking our ass. It looks fucking cool. Like the, the the special effects in it look awesome. Apparently, Douglas MacArthur is is portrayed as like a sadistic child killer or something. Damn! <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, was it? Okay, so it's actually centered in the Korean War. Okay. Yeah. Oh. well, I mean. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say he wasn't a sadistic child killer, but I mean he yeah. he other than like other than the the admittedly uh, very uh, how would I describe it like brilliant other than like the really brilliant landing at Incheon the the Korean War was not a well fought war basically there was really no reason to try and go up to the Yalu River and provoke the uh, provoke the Chinese into fighting they could basically the situation could have been stabilized but. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure they don't they don't have very kind thing kind ways to depict uh, MacArthur in this film. I think it's it's quite bold of the, because you know the power of movies like this is that the heroes are nonfiction Chinamen, right? Like these are probably real people. It's undeniable. It's undeniable that the movie is probably heavily exaggerated, but the heroes in the movie actually existed. The uh, the American response, American culture, is to have fictional heroes like Superman and Batman and stuff like that, you know. So 
that 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 this is a direct challenge to American culture inside of China. It 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 it's going to be quite effective, in my opinion, because um, I think that a lot of people are hungry for nonfiction heroes right now. You know, there's a kind of um, there's a kind of appetite for it that isn't being met by Hollywood. So, I wonder if there's a uh, a subtitled uh, copy of the movie out. Came out. I, I, I would like to see like, it for like myself. Theaters. I oh, would it like actually did have a U.S. release. Yeah, it came out in uh, New York and L.A. Oh, where all the Asian people live. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. It's the number one grossing know. movie this year, and I don't like really anywhere. Yes, because of the giant Chinese market. It's 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 one of the oh most- it's it's the battle it's the battle of the chosen Re- reservoir okay that 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 makes sense all right yeah because the way that battle is portrayed in America is that a bunch of crazy lunatic Chinese people with sticks just chase the American they just overwhelm the Americans with their numbers so it's going to be interesting to see the alternative perspective on that when it, whenever we can get access to it. Yeah, that, that's the battle that has a couple of famous quotes associated with it. I think I'm trying to remember both of them. One was, uh, and they, we're not retreating, we're, adva- we're, we're advancing in a different direction or something like that. And oh, that's one, where that's from. Yeah, and then the other ah. one is that, is that we're, we're surrounded on, on all sides. Great, they, they can't get away from us now. Really? That's the same battle, huh? Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's one of the most important battles in the Korean War. Well, making a movie like this shows how China has the leverage over America. Because China... Hollywood Hollywood simply can't, for economic reasons, make a movie like this in reverse. Where China, the Chinese are the bad guys. They can't, because the Chinese just locked them out of their markets. But the Chinese care so little about what Zog in America thinks that they make this movie and don't think twice about it. All right. I'm going to read these last messages, then let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, $5 from DD12. Thanks for being out there in Wisconsin. Oh, my pleasure. One library coin from Pagan Bear. America has a training military now. It's also more diverse than ever, so shouldn't that make it even... Shouldn't that make it more oh, yeah. even against Russia and China? Someone was telling me, some of the military can possibly um, confirm this. Someone was telling me that in the military, illegal aliens join and can get green cards after their service. Yep. Is that true? Oh, right? yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. an old scam. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing that for a while. They're, I, try, I, they're trying to streamline it so that it instantly gives you citizenship. They've been talking about doing that for a while. So you, so illegal aliens actually get... First of all, the idea of Dude, we're training joining that, the military is just... We are literally training like MS-13 to like you know shoot an AR more wow. accurately. So that that alone is mind-blowing, that you can get citizenship in the United States. as You can join the U.S. military as an illegal alien. The fact that you get citizenship after is just, wow. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, what is this, the fucking French Foreign Legion here? No, well, it's the French like, Foreign Legion isn't like illegal aliens. It's like people that that you know. People are, actually like pledge themselves and like they're right. put through the like one of the most rigorous boot camps in uh, yeah in like you know basic infantry uh, training. In well, when West. I was when I was when I was younger, I considered uh, joining the French Foreign Legion, um, 
And I looked into it, and I'm like, yo, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, think, like, I think every sensitive art- Bosnian rapist. Yeah, I think every sensitive artistic type at one time or another thinks about joining the French Foreign Legion until they actually read what it involves. Like, yeah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> like Albanian drug lords next to you, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, like it's, real fucking criminals join that the, shit. The FFL is famous for attracting people that are just fugitives and outlaws and stuff like that. So that's definitely true. Um, but yeah, uh, yes. So any more questions? Yeah, five library coins from Ferocia Chihuahua, who says the most importantly, N, and that's it. N, N. indeed. Oh, and then uh, Borzat donated $25. Our men are the bravest and strongest. Hail Striker, Nikkei, and Borzoi. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank Borzat. you. Well, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank. All you gotta do is meet my wife, uh, Frank, and then she'll, you know, she'll shower you with all kinds of gifts that she showers everybody else. Poor yeah, Frank speaking is of which, band. I got the scam all worked out this evening. Uh, Oak from Oakpilled, uh, I had them make a, um, uh, they, they put out a t-shirt with the, the famous Tesla quote, and then I said, I'd like this as a sticker, and then I get a reply back, uh, this is all happening on post, of done. And I'm like, hmm, how else can I take this a step further? And I told And so you started begging so, my wife I know, I'll get Borzette to uh, get this for me for Christmas. And sure enough, it worked! <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, hon. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, my, my, my wife is a, is a gift giver, so. Especially when it's from oakpill.com. Yeah. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had dinner with the family. Oh, I see, interesting. Yeah, yeah it was good stuff. Oh, and $10, $10 just came in from DD12, so thank you, DD12. Oh, thank you, DD12, yes. Oh, I'm seeing a lot of good activism around this issue all over the place. I'm looking through Telegram here. Well, oh, um, you, you guys want to plug I want, I do actually want to get out of here. because I, I got to get out of here. I'm fucking about yeah. to collapse. Yeah. Yeah. I got to. The last episode of uh, Hate House was really funny. Uh, I was on it. Go check it out on the right stuff. Uh, look out for the young whites there, too. You can follow me on... Uh, the Fediverse uh, at Nike at uh, Pluruma dot nobody has the dot biz. What is that anyway? Just real quick, what is the, nobody has the dot biz? Uh, that started off as like a fan forum uh, back before like Bang came around, um, and like while there was no forum, uh, but now it's mostly used as a Fediverse instance. So it's like Post, but it's just run by uh, one of our guys. Thomas oh, Lewis. It's great. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, no, he has a whole bunch of like different archival projects, uh, different services he runs where uh, our guys can upload their files, share them to each other, and uh, keep them in a place that won't take them down because it's all you know managed by our people. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. Good for good stuff. Good work. Um, uh, so yeah, I can. I, I, got, can just I got nothing on. to plug. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, uh, national-justice.com, as everyone knows, the rightsup.biz, nationaljusticeparty.com. There's a new actual, there's a new statement on there uh, with lots and lots of uh, pictures you haven't seen yet. Um, and yes, I think the 
that's it for me. Yeah, by the way, congratulations. Over 80,000 people read your story on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, what I was telling someone before is that once you get close to 100,000 people reading it, you've already pushed the first domino. So you, you, you'll recall that when we were building up attention around this issue, they started deplatforming people from Telegram. Mm-hmm. At least no, it happened right afterwards. Feed. Right after. That's not a coincidence that Western Chauvinist yeah. and. Uh, Warren and Tony, everyone. Mine, for whatever reason, perhaps it's because I'm a crisis actor. <clears throat> Mine has not been deplatformed yet, but it's just a matter of time. Uh, Mike's hasn't been yet, but uh, yeah, Warren, Tony, all those other guys. Make sure you download Telegram from the APK on the website for your Android or your iOS. Um, and, um, you can see all the channels this isn't telegram's fault. It's Google, the Google store and, um, the Apple stores, which shows you again, they censor journalists too. They censor journalists. They censor, um, exposure of corruption. They do everything. They accuse Lukashenko and Putin and Xi Jinping. And unlike, the uh, Winnie the Pooh, Xi Jinping people that were doing that stuff, uh, the conservative blue check marks. Uh, no one is complaining about it here. People getting the, the, the truth out about Walt Waukesha. No one is saying, oh, this is wrong to be censoring this. And yet they are. So um, we need to uh, we need to just continue building our alternative platforms until we no longer need to, to deal in any respects with um, with uh, iOS and Apple and Android. Uh, I'm sorry, Google. So yeah. Anyway, um, that's, that's it got. for this week. All right, Frank. Remember, there's no effective difference between me and my simulation, except he's much funnier. Mr. Producer, hail victory. See ya, Kyle. Thank you.